1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
2: And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. There shoots and scores. Darn it! Looking
0: down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: Well, what a pleasure to be speaking to you this evening. Eskimos, Argos. Friday night, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Eskimos receiver Bryant Mitchell will join us in a few minutes here on Inside Sports. Also tonight, you may have seen this making the rounds on social media throughout the afternoon today. This uh, artwork featuring Connor McDavid basically burnt into a piece of wood well we have the artist himself Norm suchuk on the show in about half an hour Norm has quite a story himself he's a quadriplegic was injured playing hockey he'll tell us a little bit about that and how he does this art a really interesting guy uh, he's out in Mundare. he's gonna join us at 630 tonight my name is Reed Wilkins it is inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos radio 630 Ched, if you'd like to get in touch you can email inside sports at 630 chatcom the phone number is 780-497. 60063. And of course you can text 630-630. The World Cup. We have a finalist. We have France beating Belgium. 1-0. Tomorrow at noon, England will take on Croatia. You gotta think if it is England and France in the World Cup final, the winner gets bragging rights for what? Centuries? In that age old rivalry between the two nations, both on the political and military at times and certainly sports pitches, I mean, this is the thing. the winner of that match, what what do you have bragging rights for? Two centuries minimum, unless they maybe meet in other championship finals in Euro and the world Cup and the the team that would hypothetically lose on the weekend comes back and win. I mean, let's, let's say it's England and France, and England wins whatever. England wins the World Cup final over France, and then France beats England in a couple international friendlies or in a group stage game. England just sits there and says, yeah, whatever, World Cup 2018, we won. <laughs> with with the, the intensity of soccer in Europe, in those nations, you, you would have to think, if it's England-France, the winner gets bragging rights. I'm not exaggerating. For centuries... That's what it would be like. That'll be fun to watch. A uh, Good game today. France overcoming Belgium, 1-0. Nice game for Umtiti from France. Got the goal. Mbappe, which is my favorite Hansen song. Also a good game for France. They are the two newest additions to the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team. So, Kellen, we now have the updated World Cup All-Star team. This is... This, I I believe now, unconfirmed, unconfirmed, but I'm going to throw this out there. I believe this is the highest honor uh, a soccer player can achieve, other than actually winning the World Cup, is to be named to the Inside Sports World Cup All Star team. Oh, it's higher. We now have Umtiti, Mbappe, Rojo, Zuba, Lukaku. But, but like, did you did you know you have the wrong countries? By the way, you made this list, and you have the wrong countries. That's okay. I'm, it's
0: just Lukaku,
2: Nacho, our own Morgan Black from Six Thirty Chat, and Rabio, the now deceased Japanese octopus. I like his
0: nationality too, by the way, that I put down right beside him. I just put down in memory of Rabio. Nationality: octopus. Well,
2: I believe he was technically Japanese.
0: Well, so oh, I there- think
2: I think he'd be denouncing that now. After what they Cause did to he's, him. Because he's deceased? No, after what, they, uh, after what they did to him, you know. <laughs> well, they sold him for food. Well, they, the, the, the guy who owned the, uh, the, uh, the market. So that is the updated Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team. We'll have, of course, more prestigious additions as, as, uh, as we move along. All right. Somebody texted in England. France would be like the Habs playing the Leafs. Well, that'd be a big deal. Uh, it could never happen, obviously, in the Stanley Cup final, given the current format. It would perhaps be along the lines of two Canadian teams playing in the Stanley Cup final, if that were to ever. Where was the last time two Canadian teams played in the Cup final? Was that, wasn't that 1989? I mean, nobody's won it since 1993. That was Montreal over LA. Yeah, 1989 was Calgary and Montreal, the last time two Canadian teams played in the Stanley Cup final. Who knows if it'll happen again? Is, is it going to be Jets-Leafs this year? Is it going to be Jets-Leafs this year? They're the favorites, right? They should be the two best Canadian teams. Anyway, we will uh, have more additions to the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team as uh, as we move along. It was awesome to have Jed Roberts on the show last night. The former Edmonton Eskimo joined us in studio for an hour. Man, I love talking to him. The way he breaks down the game, some of the details he sees. He had a really detailed Conversation about watching game film and all the effort he would have to put into that, and and for Jed, it, it, there was an extra layer to it because, as I'm sure you know, Jed's story—he's hearing impaired. He, he told how he was uh, born with uh, basically a hearing defect, so he, you know he has to wear hearing aids, and on the field of play, he couldn't hear very well. So if he's lined up as a defensive lineman and his teammates are yelling out audibles, he can't hear them. So he has, to, and he has to know what the other team's formation is, what it means for his defense, and he can't rely on, well, oh, you know what, if I don't pick it up, somebody will shout it out to me, because he can't hear that kind of stuff. And he talked about the hours of film that, that football players have to watch. And he also had this to say about the Esks' loss to the Argos on Saturday.
1: The encouraging thing that I took away from this game was that the defense kept them in it. You know, they were uh, just a couple steps away um, when Franklin scored that touchdown and toward the end there when he caught those guys in zone and, you know, it wasn't... they weren't physically beaten, they were just, it was a mental thing, like they didn't catch the check on it so, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the leadership has to step in and that secondary is playing with three brand new players two brand new corners and a and a halfback and Hunter, you know, if you've got Hunter playing strong half, which is really difficult spot to play, he's usually matched up on the other team's best receiver And uh, you know, he's, he's acquitted himself pretty nicely physically, but it's just the mental stuff, you know, and, and that's when a guy like Neil King has to kind of come in and get those guys together and get them in the same room and Go over all the checks and stuff because they're going to see everything, you know. Uh, their offense is always going to put the points on the board. Right now, it's got to come down to big players make big plays, you know. That's why you need the J.C. Sheritts and the Armando Sewells and you know some of those new defensive backs have to come up and sort of identify their, establish their identity, you know. Which one of those corners is going to become a, a ball hawk all of a sudden, and which one, which guy's going to get hot? Because they're going to pick on both of them. They're brand new. They're kind of an unknown quantity. So I, I didn't think that the last game was too badly. I thought they played a lot better than Uh they have. You know, it's night and day from the first couple games when they were just feasting on the open corner there with Hoover, and you know, Hoover was physically overmatched. Right now, they don't have a guy that's getting physically overmatched. It's just mental stuff.
2: So that's Jed Roberts, and I, I love talking to ex-players. They, they have a unique perspective to the game. They, they see things that, that I think most of us wouldn't notice. I think even if you watch a lot of the sport you like or you're passionate about, there are always little details that, that players will know, oh, wait, he's doing that. That might not seem like a big deal to, to some of us watching. And as you heard now, Jed also said last night, he he thought the Eskimos actually might start the season one and three. Because of the injuries in the secondary and some of the new players, they had to work in. But as as he kind of said there, he's not overly concerned going forward. But he did say the players have to put the work in, and a lot of it is mental and getting the reps and being you know like again being willing to watch the film and helping each other out on the field. And he said specifically with Money Hunter, and we know that game against Hamilton, it was Hunter and Hoover who got picked on. Now, Hoover's out of the starting lineup. Money Hunter looks like he's a pretty good athlete, and, and, and Jed said that as well, but now he has to keep watching the film, learn the tendencies of the other team, make sure he doesn't have tendencies, that he's tipping off his coverage to the other players, and, and learning the adjustments on the fly. And, and Jed went into detail on that last night about watching film obsessively. Like he said, he would go to Danny Bass's house in the 90s and watch film though so he would fall asleep and he'd be dreaming about the other team's formations. Uh, so, you know, he he emphasized that that here for, some, for the Eskimos and some of the young players, it's that dedication in practice, that dedication in the film room, and hopefully it pays off on the field. That was great stuff with Jed last night. If you missed it, you can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast or... Go to the Inside Sports page on 630Chet.com. Vic says Jed Roberts is a beast. Uh, I could listen to him for hours. Please bring him back. Vic, we will have Jed uh, on the show again. I don't know if, if Jed wants to come on every week, but well, maybe we'll ask him. He, he was a lot of fun to have on the show. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of fun shows, I don't know if you guys knew this out there, but there are other shows on 630Chet. Yes. To the 14 of you who listen to Inside Sports every night. Uh, we, got this, uh, we got this young guy. Uh, who works a show during the day. So he used to be a tree planter, and he was like, I really like hockey, so could I get a hockey show? So we, not, not quite out of pity, but borderline that, uh, we gave him a show. It's called Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer. It's on from noon to 2 every day. I, I was on that show with Bob earlier today, and Bob threw out there, he said, hey, you know, I can see Ryan Strom uh, being the Oiler who takes the biggest uh, step forward, maybe improving by 15 points. Ryan Strom had 34 points last season, so maybe Bob Sandy can get 48, 49, 50. I'm going to say this, and I actually don't think I'm I'm breaking any ground here, but isn't it, isn't it, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you will. Isn't it obvious which Oilers going to have the biggest improvement in terms of points? Nugent Hopkins manages to get it to Connor McDavid. Into the zone, drop pass back to Nugent Hopkins, driving the net, wrist shot score. Oilers tie the game, 2-all. Nugent Hopkins with a goal and an assist tonight. I mean, I know there are a lot of ifs sitting here about three months before the regular season starts, but if Nugent Hopkins stays relatively healthy, plays, say, 70 games or more, if he remains on a line with Connor McDavid, and if the Oilers' power play is anything better than last in the NHL, is the Nuge not poised to be around a point a game? I mean, did he not get 15 points in 14 games on the same line as Connor McDavid? He had 48 in 62 last year, including 24 goals. Uh I, I I mean I know he's already a really good player who's had really good seasons and who does produce points, but is there is there anybody other than the Nuge who is poised to take a potentially well, massive maybe is an overstatement, significant leap in points? Hey, I gotta say, you know, all due respect to Bob. And I give him a hard time all the time. Uh, if Ryan Strom goes from 34 to 41, half a point per game, that'd be great. And, and he continues to develop as a penalty killer and do all that kind of stuff. Nugent Hopkins, could he not be a point-of-game player if he plays with Connor McDavid? Am, am I being nuts there, he, regardless of who the right winger is? I mean, they basically had a quadruple-A player named Ty Raddy on their line last year, and Nuge still got a point-of-game playing on that line. That's what I'm just saying. And it's it's the summer. You can be optimistic. You can make crazy predictions. But, you know, I, I maybe it, it seems silly to talk about a guy taking a huge step forward who's already been a number one overall pick and who's already a pretty good offensive player. But if someone's going to take a large leap from the point total they had last season of 48— my vote would have to be Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Anyway, that was fun being with on with Bob earlier today. Uh, Bryant Mitchell from the Edmonton Eskimos will join us this hour, and we'll talk to a really cool artist, Norm Shuchuk out of Mundare. You can text 636-30, phone number 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on Chet.
3: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with
0: Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
2: All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6 21. Nikita Kucherov, eight year extension with the Tampa Bay Lightning, nine and a half mil per year. It'll kick in for next season. The 25 year old still has one year left on his current deal at 4.8 million. Patrick Maroon, the former Oilers, signing with St. Louis today, one year, $1.75 million. He had that 27 goal year for the Oilers in their playoff year of 16 17. Traded. This year, to the New Jersey Devils wound up with 17 goals and a career high 43 points with the Oilers he had 14 goals, 30 points in 57 games. All right. Uh, you can text 63630 Bretsky says, "Reed, I worked for the Alberta Forest Service from 83 to 89. I think I saw Bob somewhere around Grand Prairie back in the day. I do believe Bob was indeed at times in Northwestern Alberta." I think that's where he was for Game 7 in 1987 between the Oilers and the Flyers. Uh, Dennis texting in, I would just like to know who do you think fits with Connor and Nugent Hopkins? All right, that's the question of the day. Because the Oilers have options at right wing, none of whom are entirely proven in the National Hockey League. Ty Ratty, nice finish to the season, did his job, showed that he worked on some things in the minors. Uh, Is he uh, a guy who can compliment a couple of stars in the NHL? Or are we going to find out why he spent most of his career in the minors once we get 20 games into the season? Yes, he pulled a Yarvi. I have no idea what we have in this player. And, And maybe I'm less optimistic than some of you, but I, I just have, and look, I know he's still relatively young and sometimes all of a sudden guys get going and then you're like, oh, that's who he is. Okay, I have no idea what they have in this player. Is he a playmaker? Is he a shooter? Uh, you know, is he, uh, is, he, is he a four checker? Is he, is he a banger and a crasher? I don't think he's that. If you think you know, you can tell me. I don't think I know. And I've seen him play every game he has in the league. Kyler Yamamoto, I think will be a pretty good player. Might be a second-line right-wing type of player in terms of point production. Will we see that this year? I, I think you can obviously question that since he's potentially either an NHL rookie or in the American Hockey League. Tobias Reeder can skate. The Oilers need speed. They need him on the PK. He uh, you know, has had a bit of a connection with Leon Dreisaitl, and it's only a bit when they've played internationally before for Germany um, I'm hesitant to call him a top six, or or the complimentary player for Nugent Hopkins, and uh, and McDavid. Maybe, maybe. But you know, look, we got to look at both sides here. There's there's potential there. There are also two teams in the past, uh, what uh, five months, who didn't want Tobias Reader. One traded him. And the other one decided not to offer him a contract, making him an understricted free agent. And then you have Zach Cassian, who I think we, uh, we know is going to fit probably on the Oilers' third or fourth line, help kill penalties and hopefully be physical and disruptive and all that kind of stuff. So those are the options down the right wing. So Dennis, uh, who do you think fits with Connor and the newtch? Well, I, I, all I can say, Dennis, is at the start of the season, I think it'll be Ty Ratty. As the incumbent, what he had nine points down the stretch, you know, wasn't a defensive liability, uh, made intelligent plays with the puck, I think it's Ty Ratty for now. By game 20, by game 30, I don't know, could Yamamoto force his way in there? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Andrew D. says, Hi, Reid. I really hope they try Lucic with McDavid and Nuge. I think Nuge would be great on the off wing with his shot, and I bet he has a hidden one-timer. Keep that toughness with McDavid, and I feel Lucic could help out that line more than Ratty and deserves a chance. Just get to the net, Lucic. Edmonton has always loved players like Lucic. That is from Andrew D. All right, we got John on the line. John, sorry, I'm tight for time. i got about a minute for you. Go ahead.
3: Hey, I just wondered if there's any word on... Siwa coming back, and and like we're missing Adams and Konar, and Hightower and Colhoun and Botang. You know, people are upset with the defense, but and then on offense they shifted so O'Donnell to left tackle. They got a new left guard. They got Beard and right guard. So there's no continuity there. I mean, it's uh, you know that's that's difficult. So I'm just wondering if uh, if Siwa was at practice today, and, and if there's anything coming through on that.
2: You know what, Dave and Morley uh, were at practice today. I, I rarely go. They didn't say anything about the injured guys, and, and I know sometimes uh, you know on day one it's tough to tell because th- sometimes the guys who were just injured might have a pretty light schedule. So, John, I got to be honest with you, I I don't have a full update on the injuries except for the guys on the sixth game. I doubt they're gonna. I doubt they would pull them off now if they were sixth game at the start of the year. They probably I wait. And know you're
3: a rules guy, so I I wonder. If you could check uh, why Mike Riley got hit on the sideline. A guy was holding him up. He couldn't get out of bounds. He couldn't go down, and he got clobbered. And all, all the officials were looking at that play. I don't understand that. Wasn't that the horse-caller play? Yeah, it was. And why wasn't that guy disqualified like that? Was at least 15 more yards.
2: Well, I think they just ruled that it was uh, just a horse-caller and not a late hit. I well, think it that's what was hit. the call. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they just call the horse caller. But yeah, that was the one where there was the skirmish after the play, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Reed. Okay, see you, John. 780496006 Reed. We'll take a timeout and we'll meet this uh, artist who does these incredible, uh, well, he'll explain how he does it, but he did a picture of Connor McDavid. Coming up next on Inside
4: Sports. This is Ryan Nij-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening
0: to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, really
2: appreciate you tuning in tonight. We have the Eskimos and the Argos from the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium on Friday. Our coverage will commence with the countdown to kick off at 5 30. Game will start at 7. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, Brendan, Ulrich. Blake Dermott, all part of our broadcast crew. Eskimos then go into their bye week. Then we'll visit Montreal on Thursday, July 26th. we will looking ahead a little bit. Some people may be coming to this game on Thursday, August 2nd. The Saskatchewan Roughriders will be in town. But for now, we worry about the Argos coming up on Friday. Eskimos receiver Bryant Mitchell will join us later this half hour. All right, so you you may have seen some stuff here uh, on on, uh, Twitter or on the Internet the last few days. There is an artist named Norman Shuchuk who makes art using wood and a magnifying glass. And one of his uh, latest pieces of work is a rendition of Connor McDavid. And I was reading about this gentleman and thinking, man, how does he do this? And the more I read about him, the more interested I became in his story. So we're going to have him on the show right now. Norm Shuchuk joining us from Mundare. Norm, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Not too bad. yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time for me tonight. It's awesome to have you on the show. How are things in uh, in Mundare tonight?
4: Uh, A little bit rainy right now, but oh well. You need some rain.
2: You know, uh, Mundare and uh, uh, sausage is the first thing everybody thinks of, right? But there's more Absolutely. to Mundare than sausage.
4: Absolutely the sausage.
2: <laughs> well, your great artwork is putting Mundare on the map as well. Uh, but, Norm, before we get to that, uh, you have uh, you have a pretty unique story yourself. Um, I'll kind of let you tell it, but you, you suffered a pretty serious injury playing hockey yourself, didn't you?
4: Uh, yeah, back in 83, I was just playing league hockey and uh, I went for the puck in the corner and I got cross-checked from behind and went head first into the boards, and broke my neck. So I'm a C5, C6 quad.
2: Okay, so obviously you went through a tough time. Who were some of the people that helped you get through that, both physically and
4: emotionally at the time, Norm? Oh, absolutely. My family is number one. Uh... Family and friends. Okay,
2: and uh, where was this in Manitoba at the time you said?
4: Yes, it was back in Manitoba, Gimli, Manitoba.
2: Okay, so uh, obviously, you know, you, you over, you've uh, you've lived through that, and uh, and you've kept working and stuff, and, and you've got into the art here. Now, before we get into the into the specifics of McDavid stuff, was this? Uh, something you were you artistic like before the injury did you get into it more as an adult where did the interest come from
4: no just uh, as young kids we were playing with magnifying glasses and then sitting in the chair uh, there was lots of time to kill so I just grabbed a magnifying glass and some wood and was just making different designs and stuff on the wood and uh, it just kind of grew from there and got bigger I was making my nephews were playing hockey and Made plaques for them when they were playing hockey, and and then making signs for the neighbors and stuff like that. And then it just kind of grew into more and more and bigger and more detailed stuff.
2: Okay, so you started this when you were you were pretty young, you said.
4: Yeah, just as kids, and then uh, when after I got hurt, I was sitting in the chair, and lots of time to kill, and that was a good way to do it. Okay, so.
2: Norm, with, with the nature of your injury, um, how is it? Like, is it difficult for you to to use the glass and, and the wood? I hope you don't mind me asking, but just in terms of your, uh, you know, mobility and and your injury, what are did you have to make some adjustments to do the artwork, or or how how have you, how have you dealt with that?
4: Um, well, uh, I can use I can hold the magnifying glass easy. it's just prop it in between my uh, in my hand and support it with my other hand, but uh, I use, to do the other stuff, I use, a, it's called a tenodesis splint, I put it on my hand and it just, uh, when I use, when I bend my wrist, then it squeezes my fingers together so I can hold a knife, like to cut out the paper and stuff like that, and then to use a pencil to draw on the board. Norm
2: Shuchuk joining us in Inside Sports, an artist living in Mundare. So, so I mean we ju- I just want to emphasize here what this art is. You're using I mean, the, are the tools basically a, a block of wood, a magnifying glass and and the sun <laughs> like that? Those are your three tools. Uh,
4: my tools of the trade are a hat, sunglasses, and a magnifying glass.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. So how do you how do you like I've seen your stuff and I mean I, there's stuff on Twitter. I tweeted out a link to a story as well. How how do you get it so detailed? I mean, is it just a matter of patience and doing it? Like, how do you get it, get it so detailed using the magnifying glass?
4: Um, That's why I put both my hands together, to support with both hands so I'm more steady. And then you just go burn a little bit, and then you kind of back up and go forward and back and forth and back and forth, just to line straight and keep going.
2: Man, so you've done, and I want to talk about the McDavid one. But do you do all hockey related
4: stuff or what will what will you usually craft? I it I do everything and anything. Okay. I've done cats, dogs, marine life, signs for different people, designs, anything like that.
2: Okay, amazing. And how how large a surface are we talking about
4: here? Uh the Connor one is eighteen by twenty. 18 that's, by 12. Okay,
2: that's yeah. inches. Yeah, yeah. And how long did that take you?
4: Um, I started those. Uh, I don't know if you've seen both of them or not. But I started them in the winter, and uh, the last one I did would probably 70 plus hours on into it. My goodness. So okay. Um, finding it, designing it, and cutting out, and then tracing it, and then the final burning, and and then to put the finish on it.
2: Okay, that is amazing. So about seventy hours, and you said you made two McDavid's. Yeah. You okay, know, do you do you sell your stuff? Do you just do it for yourself? What uh, what what happens with it?
4: Uh, these three, I knew they weren't going anywhere except on my wall. I've got one up there. I've done. I've never done anything that detailed before, but I just figured I. I picked uh, the headshot of Connor online, and I played with it on the computer, and just to uh, get. The part that I burn, like the black part, because there's only the one color to it, and just got it to where it looked like him. And once I do that, I print it out, and then I, uh, I, well, I do multiple copies, and I cut out different parts on each paper, and then I put them together and trace them till the full image is in there, is on the, on the board.
2: Okay. So th- you've you've got a system down and obviously you're incredibly detailed and incredibly patient. When you started seeing that people are tweeting about you and writing about you and then and then I'm calling you and like like what's your reaction to some of this attention?
4: I mean, it's kind of overwhelming actually, but it's just I don't know, it's it's hard to believe how it took off so fast. Yeah. It just started by uh, my niece posting the first Connor actually the second one just a picture of him on uh, Twitter and then CBC wanted to come up the next day to interview me. So.
2: and you and you keep rolling from there well now you have to consider selling some of your stuff don't you Norman?
4: <laughs> uh, not those three they're not going anywhere
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right uh, what what project are you working on now? Are you making something
4: else? I'm actually working on a Toronto Blue Jays one right now.
2: A logo or a player? Uh, the, the logo. The logo. Okay, man. And you also did a Humboldt uh, Broncos one after the crash. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Well, that oh, was one of the toughest ones I had to do emotionally. Well, yeah. No kidding. I mean, I, yeah. I can. I can get that for sure. Well, Norman. Um, now, I, and you have a Twitter account. Is it what is it? Burner nineteen sixty six. Yeah, Burner
4: 1966
2: Okay, and if people want to look at that as well, they can check out my Twitter account at Reed Wilkins because there'll be uh, links there. I know our buddy Bag Milk from Oilers Nation wrote a piece about you as well. We got a text here to our text line. It says, "We're so proud of you, Uncle Norman." That's from Rihanna, Crystal, and McKenna. I hope you know these people.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Good. Good stuff, uh, Norman. I choked up. <laughs> yeah. You oh, know, that's okay. Anything else you want to you want to say tonight?
4: I just want to. Thank all the people for all the wonderful comments. It's amazing how people are liking it. It's just, I don't know, I just, it's taken off so fast, it's almost surreal. Well, good for you, Norm.
2: Thanks for joining us, and and thanks for telling your story. Uh, You obviously are are a a very passionate guy, so good for you for making your art here and and connecting with so many people, and thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Right on. That is Norm Shuchuk checking in tonight, lives in Mundare. And, uh, I mean, he described it, but, uh, yeah, basically he uh, holds a magnifying glass. He mentioned he's a, a quadriplegic, but, you know, he can he can move his hands, but he has to pinch the magnifying glass in a certain way to hold it steady. And then he burns the image. You know, recently, Connor McDavid, he's made other stuff. He made the Humboldt logo, and he burns that onto uh, a piece of wood, and they're absolutely incredible. Again, check check online, Google Norm Shuchuk, go through my Twitter account. There's some, some videos of him as well working. Um, so, you know, it's because of the, the McDavid stuff. I think it's taken off a little bit, but but I think that's a really cool story nonetheless. And, uh, wow, that's just incredible. What, what a pleasure to have Norm on the show. I'm glad I was able to connect with him. It is 6.45. We'll take a quick timeout inside sports on 6.30, Chad. This is Cam Talbot
3: from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet.
2: All right, it's 649. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Norm Shuchuk, what a pleasure to interview him, artist, uses a magnifying glass to burn images onto wood. He's done some Connor McDavid drawings. Uh, They're really cool. So awesome to have him on the show. He does a whole bunch of other stuff. In the next hour, we're going to talk to Jeff Richardson. He's the owner of Pine Ridge Golf Resort out by Siba Beach. I remember playing this course a few times when I was a kid living in Evansburg. They have a 12-hole golf course. And I know this has been a discussion uh, about getting more people involved in golf. Is 18 holes too much? Would 12 or 14 be better So uh, Jeff and his colleagues there said to heck with it. We're going to do it. We are going to do it. We are going to do it. They got a 12-hole course. They're not expanding it to 18. They're sticking with 12. So he's going to tell us the story and how it's working. The next chapter in the story for the Eskimo season will be written Friday night when they take on the Toronto Argos. Eskimos receiver Bryant Mitchell joins us now. Bryant, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. It, it's great to have you on the show. I know you guys are, are uh, back to practice today after, well, a bit of, bit of a tough one, eh? Saturday uh, against the Argos. A uh, lot of yards, a lot of chances in the red zone, but uh, not a lot of points, eh? How, what was that one like uh, to, to go through that, and what kept you guys out of the end zone? Ah,
0: oh, man. You know, really, it was us. You know, it was, it was hard seeing us have so much production. And not be able to be successful, but at the end of the day, it was us stopping ourselves. We're, you know, essentially shooting ourselves in the foot, not executing when we needed to, you know, and just getting in our own way. So essentially we needed to get out of our way, but, you know, sometimes when, you know, you're standing too close to the elephant, you can't see the whole picture.
2: That's a great phrase brian i haven't <laughs> have heard that one before. Where did you learn that one when you're when you're standing too close to the elephant? you can't see the whole picture where Where' did you learn that one?
0: <laughs> man I honestly heard it somewhere about a year ago, and it stuck with me it just it just resonated.
2: Well, that's a good one. So, and I I know you guys uh, obviously were talking about eliminating some of the mistakes. So, when you get back to practice, um, you know, is this players holding each other accountable? Is it spending a lot of time in the film room to to see where things get wrong? Give us uh, give us some insight into how you know the players handle this coming off a a disappointing game like that.
0: So, you know, uh, our veteran leadership stepped up. You know, they, they talked amongst themselves and, you know, they presented to the team things that needed to change, you know, and not only things that needed to change, but things that were in place that needed to be enforced, you know, and, and just having the mindset that, you know, when we walk through those doors every day, that it's a work day, you know, uh, as Sorensen always says, work day, work day today, you know, that's big time for us, you know, just, just having that mindset that we're going to work and With us working, you know, and us having that focus, you know, we'll get things done.
2: You know, Brian, I, I, I don't know if, if you've given yourself this title, but but I feel comfortable calling you the most patient man in the Canadian Football League. You've, you've had to battle through some injuries. At times you've had to battle through uh, some long waits between appearances in the lineups or starts. Uh, you know, I, I know this was your first start of the year on Saturday. I think it might have been the first time you played since last year, last fall in Toronto. How do you deal with this, man? Like, you've been through a lot. You've been through a lot of waiting as an Eskimo, haven't you?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not easy, you know. But, you know, you reap the benefits. You know, and I know that if I continue to work hard, if I continue to be patient, that, you know, when the time is right, you know, God will present it and and I'll be able to do, you know, what I worked so hard for. So, you know, I have to keep reminding myself day in and day out that, you know, in 2015, I only wished that I was here. You know, I was only sitting there praying that I could be here, you know, when I got cut the first time. So, you know, that's a great reminder of, you know, not everyone's able to do it. And not everyone makes the cut. And the fact that I was able to be blessed enough to get back in 16 and been here ever since, you know, it's definitely something that I look forward to. That hard work, that perseverance, that patience. It's only grown me as a man and as a player.
2: Well, it's it's not an easy receiving core to crack, is it? Uh, I mean, Walker uh, Zilstra was here last year. Duke's leading the league in receiving. Bahar and Ajay are stepping up in in Canadian roles. So uh, you know, Hazleton's obviously hurt, but he, he's had some good games. I mean, that's it's not it's not it's not exactly that you're 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 walking into a team where they're just handing out receiving spots, are they?
0: No, not at all. But I mean, I like competition. You know, at this job, you know, competition is, is going to do two things. You know, they say pressure does two things that either bust pipes or create diamonds. So I'm trying to end up a diamond. So the pressure's on. And, you know, it's, it's fun competition competing with my brothers. And at the end of the day, you know, I want the spot. So I'm going to continue to work hard for it.
2: Okay, Brian. Like, have you considered writing a book of quotations? Because you're giving some good
0: <laughs> you're giving some good <laughs> ones <words> tonight. <that> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it, it's so funny. You know, big time. The quotes really come from Zilstra. That's one thing he and I used to always do last year and the year before is just you know bounce quotes off of each other. You know, when times got hard, when when things didn't always seem so you know uh, so light. It was scriptures and quotes. So. You know, definitely something that, you know, sticks to me and, and, and something that is ingrained in me. Well,
2: well, that's cool. We're learning something about you tonight for sure. Uh, Brian, non-football question, because I heard something else about you. you Batman, your favorite superhero, is, is that true? And, and uh, what do you like about the character, if so?
0: So, yes, he is my favorite. And what I like about him is the fact that he has no superpowers. Um. You know, a lot of people in a lot of different ways are superheroes in life. And he is the epitome of that. He doesn't have superpowers yet. He's still so impactful when it comes to being around not only obviously in fiction, but people with powers and people without them. And so just the way that his life was and the way his life is and the way he wants to help people, that's just something that I want to do with my life.
2: All right, so who's the best Batman on film then?
0: Christian Bale.
2: <laughs> You're not a Ben Affleck fan, eh? No, not at all. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. All right, that's, that's a pretty definitive answer. Brian, thanks for uh, making time for us uh, on Inside Sports. Look forward to seeing you go back at it against the Argos on Friday night. Wishing all the success, man. Thanks for your time.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for
2: having me. Well, that was fun. Bryant Mitchell from your Edmonton Eskimos checking in. And yes, he is perhaps the most patient man in the Canadian Football League. He's had uh, a lot of good receivers keep him down the depth chart with the Eskimos. Though I think he has some potential himself. And uh, clearly a guy with uh, a lot of belief in himself, a lot of confidence. Yeah, a pretty interesting interview after all. That was pretty good to have Brian on the show. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style picnic at northchickenyeg.com. All right, I mentioned in the next hour we'll go out to Seba Beach, Jeff Richardson at Pine Ridge Golf Resort. It's a 12-hole course, and they're keeping it that way. Well, how, how do you figure out your handicap if you're playing? 12, I want to ask, ask that too. And standing by in studio, the man himself, Robin Brownlee. Uh, he's doing a funky list. We'll ask him how he does that. Talk some Eskimos. Maybe we'll get a World Cup prediction from Robin. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> he's, he, he just signaled to me that he can't wait for me to ask him his World Cup prediction. That's coming up after the news.